0: starting a new series today we just finished our series in Joshua judges and Ruth and we're going to continue right along with our survey of the Old Testament and we're going to go into the next set of historical books which is first and second Samuel but we're also going to throw into this study a a look at first Corinthians and the reason why we're going to throw first Corinthians in Is because 1st and 2nd Samuel primarily deal with the life of David and when you look at 1st Chronicles it as well deals with the life of David and so we're going to look today we're just basically going to have an introduction into the material uh, concerning 1st and 2nd Samuel and Chronicles to help you get at least an insight into what we're doing Now, as we begin this series, I just want to point out to you, you can get the lesson notes. We would encourage you to get a three-ring binder and print these off somehow. If you want us to print them off here at the church and mail them to you, we can do that as well. But we would encourage you to collect the notes so that you have the material as we go along to help you to understand uh, these books. Now, where can you get that? Well, again, I've said to you, you can talk to me either message me or leave a voicemail here and say, George, I'd like to get the set of notes for the Sunday school for my book. We'll be glad to send that to you. Or you can go online to our website, Kerwinsvillechristian.org, simply go to media and you'll see a tab there. It'll show up tomorrow for uh, this, this series that we're doing the days of the King. And if you look for the lesson, you'll see that there's a PDF icon that you can click on and print it off on your own computer. Or you can also go tomorrow to the church app and look at the audio file, and you'll see the notes there as well for uh, the uh, material that we're going to be covering today. So why don't we ask God to uh, bless our time, and we're going to get right into our study today. It's a little bit longer because we're covering three books as far as introductory material. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and we thank you for the opportunity that even in the midst of this crisis we can still learn about you and your word. And so we thank you for this time right now that we can look at 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1 Chronicles. We pray that you would give us insight, pray that you would give us understanding so that we can read your word and understand what it is saying we ask your blessing on this time now in jesus name we pray amen all right with each the beginning of each introductory series and the beginning of each book i kind of like to remind everyone about historical books in general now you need to know that when we talk about books of the bible you don't read all books the same way so when you read the psalms that's hebrew poetry and when we get to the psalms we'll discuss that a little bit later but when you come to historical books that's different than say reading a gospel or reading apocalyptic literature like the book of revelation or even reading an epistle like from paul or or peter or john in the new testament there is you have to have a basic understanding of what type of book it is so that you can glean the most out of it and allow the scripture to speak to you and so that's what we're going to do this morning is we're going to again kind of cover some of this historical material that you need to understand we did it right before our study in ruth we're going to do it now as well so let's talk about these things together first of all let's talk about the nature of historical books so historical books are known as narratives narrative means story so they're known as stories these are historical stories so whenever you hear somebody referring to the narratives in the scripture more than likely they're talking about historical books okay historical books now biblical narratives tell us about what happened but not just anything so when you look at the whole issue of biblical narratives it's telling you what happened, but not just anything. History tells you anything and everything. Biblical narratives don't do that. They tell you what happened, but they don't tell you everything, okay? And not just anything. They're not just stories about people who lived in Old Testament times. So when you talk about biblical narratives, you've got to understand there's a purpose for that book. The purpose isn't just to give you stories about Old Testament characters so when we look at first Samuel you're not just going to learn some stories about Hannah or about Samuel or about Saul or David and all of the other people who interact in their lives you're not just going to hear stories here okay there is a purpose for the arrangement of these stories and what the writer is ultimately trying to achieve with that book and it fits into the overall scripture as far as guiding us to a point and we'll talk about the purpose of these books a little bit later they are stories about what god did to and through his people these stories are about what god did to his people and through his people you need to understand that okay you need to understand that they are not allegories or stories filled with hidden meaning sometimes especially some of the early church fathers did this. They would go back to the Old Testament and allegorize everything. They would try to find a spiritual meaning for everything, kind of like Aesop's fables. And they would try to figure out what the underlying hidden meaning was of the passage. That's not necessarily true in these stories. Some of these stories don't end well, and you're going to see that. There's no hidden meaning there. It's just recording what happened now I need to also point out we're going to be focusing on the kings primarily the first true king David in these books and what you're going to see is the narratives don't just give a flowery account concerning who David is they tell it like it is concerning David and there's a reason for that and you're going to see that okay now They do not always teach directly. You can't go to a narrative and just decide, what spiritual principle is it giving me here? Actually, some of the actions of these folks in these narratives are not good. There are some that are good, and there are some things you can learn from them, but they're not teaching you directly. This is not direct doctrinal teaching you're going to find in the narratives. Each narrative within a narrative does not necessarily have a moral all its own. And again, when you have a narrative like 1 Samuel, there are several narratives within 1 Samuel, and each one of those narratives doesn't have a moral. It's not trying to teach you something. It's just trying to communicate something that's a part of the greater story, the greater narrative of the whole book. You and I need to understand that. The narrative does not teach a doctrine. You're not going to go to a narrative to get your primary doctrine. Now, some groups do that. The problem is, is they're on shaky ground when they go to a narrative and talk about this being a doctrinal issue. So, for instance, I remember when I was a young believer, this would have been back in the mid to late 80s, I used to listen to material that was independent Baptist material talking about the doctrine of not having long hair. And they would go to the story in 2 Samuel of the rebellion of Absalom. And so they made a big point about Absalom and his rebellion against his father, David. But they also made a big point that he had long hair. And that ultimately his long hair led him to a downfall because he was riding along in a donkey and his hair got hung in a tree and he was hanging from the tree in his long hair and guys came along and killed him. Therefore, you have the doctrine of what's wrong with long hair. Do you see the problem with that, folks? That's not what the story is about. Long hair. And his long hair had nothing to do with the issue there are other people in the scripture that had long hair that didn't have a problem they were told to have long hair we just looked at one a judge by the name of who samson samson okay so a narrative does not directly teach a doctrine okay directly teach a doctrine okay they usually illustrate a doctrine or doctrines taught prepositionally elsewhere what you can do with a narrative is is that when you have a doctrine in another part of the scripture say the epistles say the teachings of jesus you can then illustrate the point from a narrative you could say oh this narrative illustrates what jesus is saying this, Ill- this illustrates what paul is saying that you can do and would encourage you to do okay that you can do and i would encourage you to do that now they record what happened, not necessarily what should or what should have happened or ought to have happened. Do you, do you understand me? They record what happened, not what necessarily should have happened or ought to have happened. You're going to see that many times through the narratives. What should have happened didn't happen, but that's not the purpose. The purpose isn't to give you a happy ending. There are lots of narratives here in these books that are not happy ending stories okay they're not happy ending stories all right now what people do is not necessarily a good example to the reader now what what they do is not necessarily a good example so okay so we know that David is a man after God's own heart it's he's referred to as that but there are a lot of actions that David does in this book that I'm going to be flat out honest with you, you shouldn't follow his example. Simply because David did it does not mean that this is the example to follow, okay? He's not, narratives are not necessarily communicating in a way that people are good examples, okay? So let's go on. Most of the characters, and you need to understand this, most of the characters are far from perfect and their actions are too they're human beings and if that's one thing that you can say about the scripture that is so wonderful it just kind of tells you the way humans are it doesn't fluff them up it doesn't give you a flowery rosy picture it just tells you they're human they're real they make mistakes they sin they do wrong But they also experience God's grace and we see that in the narratives okay we see that in the narratives so we are not always told the end of a narrative whether what happened was good or bad a lot of times when you see these narratives you don't really know what the end of the narrative is whether it was good or bad it only tells you what you need to know at that particular moment with regards to the greater story you need to understand that it's not going to fill in all the details all narratives are selective and incomplete we know that yes the narrative may be referring to a historical event that took place but we also know from history that there were other things that were happening at that time and inputs that don't necessarily come out in the scripture But that's on purpose because the scripture is only giving you what the Bible, what God wants you to have concerning that story. Okay, It's not that it's missing out on things, it's only focusing on the facts that you need to know with regards to the purpose of that book. They are not written to answer all of your theological questions. You really need to understand that the narratives are not written to answer all of your theological questions so for instance when david is running saul is trying to kill him you're going to see this in first samuel and he goes back to his wife's house who is the daughter of saul he asks her to hide him and then they're coming to his house to get him so he asks her to cover for him while he escapes they put a household idol are you listening to this a household idol in the bed so that it can appear to be like david while he runs away now the question is why do they have a household idol why is that i mean these are jews they're supposed to worship god only why is it that david in his house with his wife has a household idol it doesn't give you that question doesn't give you the answer to that question that's just telling you the way it is it actually reveals something about their heart and their ultimate worship of God but it doesn't answer all of your theological questions it doesn't it just tells you like it is they teach explicitly that's clearly stating or implicitly clearly implying narratives are either are explicit in their teaching or they imply something you need to recognize that implicit doesn't mean secret i'm going to tell you something you need to hear me there are no secret passages in the narratives or in the bible that reveal to you historical things that are happening now so probably right now you've got people who are pointing to a secret meeting that pointed to the COVID-19 coronavirus thing turn off your TV just like all the books that we're pointing to like Isaiah and all these other prophetic books and as well as the narrative pointing to the two towers that happened in 9-11 throw the book in the garbage there is no secret teaching with a narrative do you understand there's really no secret teaching in the scripture it was given for the people of God to understand. So I need you to understand that when a passage or a teaching is implied in a narrative, it doesn't mean that it was secret. You and I need to understand that. And finally, God is the hero of all Old Testament narratives. God is the hero of all Old Testament narratives. It's about him. Do you understand? It's about him, his people, Israel, Israel and the messiah which we know is Jesus. Okay? Which we know is Jesus. Now, let's get into discussing these books. So let's talk first of all about 1st and 2nd Samuel. 1st and 2nd Samuel, we want to look first of all at the title. Now, I need you to understand titles in the Bible are not inspired. Okay? Verses, numbers, are not inspired when you talk about the original manuscripts when you talk about it when it was originally written it wasn't necessarily titled or divided into verses that came later okay that came later so let's talk about the title as we know it being first and second samuel okay so the books of first and second samuel take their names from the prophet samuel So the implication is these books are titled as they are from the main prophet at the beginning of 1 Samuel has an impact both on Saul and David being Samuel. So these are considered the books of 1 and 2 Samuel. Now the earliest Hebrew manuscripts made no division between the two books. So when you talk about the Torah, Excuse me, when you talk about the scroll of Samuel, it wasn't divided into two scrolls. It was one scroll, the scroll of Samuel. Do you understand? The scroll of Samuel. The division came later on. We'll talk about when that happened. The Septuagint was the first version to divide the material into two parts. Now, let me remind you what the Septuagint is. Okay, let's go back in history. Remember Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world at that time? Well, most of the known world meant the Middle East, all the way out to India. He established a city in northern Egypt, which is still there today, Alexandria. It became a center of education and literacy. Great libraries were in Alexandria. There was also a settlement of jews there those jews because it was a hellenistic greek world determined to translate the old testament scriptures that we would call or they would call the law and the prophets they would translate them into from hebrew into greek that greek translation is known as the septuagint the septuagint then was the first version of the hebrew scripture that divided the material of samuel into two parts okay two parts now the authorship let's talk about the authorship of first and second samuel it's anonymous most people assume that it was samuel that is not possible folks because you're going to see halfway through samuel samuel dies How can he write the story of Saul, his death, and David when he's not alive, okay? So Samuel's not the author. We don't really know who the author is, and that's really not the point. We don't need to know, okay? Now, Jewish tradition, that's where we get the whole issue of Samuel. Jewish tradition has always affirmed that Samuel was the author. But again, that seems very, very impossible, okay? It is recognized that the contents of the books are from eyewitnesses to the events. Now, if they're from eyewitnesses to the events, that means all of 2 Samuel and part of 1 Samuel was written by somebody who saw it. That's not possible if Samuel is dead, okay? So Samuel is not the author. The date of the composition of the books cannot be determined with any degree of precision we don't know exactly when these books were written with any precision we have some ideas but you can't specifically say that these were written at a certain time period okay the books let's talk about their some general observations here about first and second samuel the books of Samuel set the stage for the forming of the monarchy. Okay, so at the very beginning, you're going to see that Israel comes to Samuel and says, "Give us a king. Give us a king." And so then really 1st and 2nd Samuel then go and tell you the establishment of that monarchy, first in Saul who was then later rejected, and then in David. David okay who is the forerunner forebearer of the messiah so it illustrates the principle that obedience to god is more important than sacrifice so what you're going to see is is there's a principle it's stated by samuel in his rejection of saul that god is more interested in your obedience than your sacrifice god is more interested in your obedience than your rituals something that's really interesting isn't it let's go on the book records God's goodness to David from his rise to the throne to his death so it's basically God's goodness and he took David through some deep waters we're going to see that from his rise to the throne to his death to his death okay to his death now the book of 1 Samuel can be divided into three main sections. So the next thing I'm going to show you on the screen is a structure of the book, okay? Structure of the book. Now, you may not be able to, unless you get real close to your device or through the TV, see this, but if you ask for the notes later, we'll be able to get these to you. But you're going to see That the book is basically divided into three parts concerning three main characters in the narratives samuel saul and then saul and david okay samuel saul and then saul's interaction with david as well okay and that covers 31 chapters there that i want to make mention of you to do 31 chapters okay so let's Let's talk about um, 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel can be divided into two main sections. Okay, So when you come to 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel was three main sections. 2 Samuel, it's two main sections. And again, here's a chart. It shows you the structure of 2 Samuel. Again, it'll be in the notes when you ask for them. The triumphs of David is the first part. So you see the triumph of David becoming ultimately the king now. And that goes up to chapter 10. But then when you come to chapter 11 through the end of the book, this section, this main segment of 2 Samuel is the troubles of David. It all starts with one sin, folks. His sin with Bathsheba. And then you hear the record of all of his troubles afterwards. So we see the structure of the book of 2 Samuel. Now, I told you we're also going to be looking at 1 Chronicles. So let's talk about 1 Chronicles here today, okay? 1 Chronicles. So let's talk about the title. The name of the book in Hebrew is the words, meaning the events, of the days or years, okay? Okay? The words, the events of the days or years. Okay, now the Septuagint entitled it "The Things Omitted." What, why did they do that? Well, it's probably referring to the fact that First Chronicles lists things that were omitted from First and Second Samuel, First and Second Samuel, as well as when you get to Second Chronicles it lists things that were omitted from 1st and 2nd Kings okay 1st and 2nd Kings now Jerome the early church father Roman who spoke in Latin who wrote Jerome's Bible the, the Latin translation of the scripture which is still used today by the Roman Catholic Church Jerome entitled it the Chronicle of the whole sacred history so that's where we get Chronicles from is from jerome's title okay jerome's title they were originally one book in the hebrew which was divided by the septuagint again with the greek translation of the hebrew scriptures they divided it into two books okay two books now let's talk about the authorship the bible itself is silent concerning the author of chronicles we don't know who it is okay Jewish tradition suggests that it was Ezra the priest from the period when they returned to Canaan after being in Babylon for 70 years so Jewish tradition says it was Ezra the priest okay and there's a book called Ezra this is who it's referring to in the Old Testament again it's another narrative book we'll take a look at it later it has become customary to refer to the author as the chronicler. Okay? So it's customary to refer to the author of 1st and 2nd Chronicles as the chronicler. Okay? They could not have been written before the end of the 5th century BC. These books could not have been written before the end of the 5th century BC. All right? There are two texts in the books that imply a period after, re- after the return of the exile for the writing. So there's two different passages in the Chronicles that kind of make you think that this was written after they returned to the promised land, back to Israel, after their captivity in Babylon. That's probably why the, the Jewish tradition holds that it was Ezra who wrote Chronicles. Now, it primarily, when we look at 1 Chronicles, it primarily focuses on God's promises to David and his sons. You're going to see that with Chronicles, it gives you a pretty extensive view of the Davidic covenant. Okay? The Davidic covenant. And the promises made to David concerning his sons and the throne. There is an emphasis also on all of God's people being united. There's an emphasis in this book on all of God's people, the Jews, being united. Now, again, so let's kind of go to an outline of the book. The book of 1 Chronicles can be divided into two main sections, okay? Two main sections. This is very interesting. The first section is simply genealogies, and that's from chapter 1 to chapter 9. The first nine chapters focus completely on genealogies all the way from Adam up until David, okay? From Adam till David. And then the second main part, which is chapters 10 through chapter 29, is going to focus on the kingship of David, okay? The kingship of David. And so that's what we see here as far as a structure for 1 Corinthians. Now, starting next week, we're going to get right into the, to our lessons concerning 1 and 2 Samuel and Chronicles. Now, I'm just going to explain to you, how do you fit Chronicles in? Well, we're going to follow the flow of 1 and 2 Samuel, but where there is something from 1 Chronicles that applies to what we're talking about or that can be put into our lessons, we're going to do that so that you have an understanding of how all three books then fit together. So we're going to start with the first section of 1 Samuel next week, the whole issue of Samuel. And particularly, we're going to focus on Samuel's birth and his mother, Hannah. And we're going to see that as we're also introduced to Eli and his sons and what's going on in Israel at that point. And we're going to see that there's also great sin that's taking place during that time. So we're going to look at that next week.